Don't forget that the website and the podcast are occasionally, you know, not for children, not for anyone under 18, and the website is certainly not safe for work. So um, you could be listening to this through iTunes or Stitcher, and if you are, please leave whatever kind of feedback they have at those places. And don't forget to, you know, tweet your love of Vodka O'Clock. You can mention me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter because I'm there all the timing. Time and uh, my guest is too. Wes Loker is here, but today he's been on the show before. Wes, thanks for coming. No problem. I am going to tweet my love for your podcast right now. Oh, awesome! Um, yeah, we it's it's amazing. I think it was either through Twitter that we first met, and then like Kickstarter, um, and then I just started annoying the world, and you couldn't help yeah. but notice. Yeah, it's one of those. You're not as bad as other people. I I've had to mute friends. I know it's. And I'm so glad that there's mute now. It, because it comes that, to that sometimes. Because <laughs> at first I used to just like unfriend or unfollow people and I felt bad. Do you then but... forget about them though and say, oh no, you've been muted for six months at this point. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I'm sure I have because I'll go back and I'll see them in some kind of thread. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be like, wasn't I following that person? <laughs> <laughs> we used to be so close. What happened? Oh, oh wait, happened? I muted oh. them. <laughs> um so yeah so well before we get into like we're gonna have a, a, a nice discussion as always um about um particular styles of plotting and, and writing and everything but you are running another kickstarter i am we're, we're doing another kickstarter for uh for unit 44 which is my sci-fi comedy comic book with the artist eduardo jimenez uh we just got picked up by alternate comics for the series which i'm super excited about that's fantastic. Um, Congrats. Thank you. And, and we really want to get it out this year, but just, you know, he does a lot of commissions and he does a lot of other work on the side and, and I do some lettering gigs here and there and I'm still working on some other writing projects. So we just, if we could raise a little bit of capital to help us get it out that much sooner, it's, it's going to come out regardless. But if people want to kind of help us out and, and toss us a few bones, uh, they'll see it probably months sooner than they may otherwise. So hopefully they'll check it out. There's a nice seven page free preview on our Kickstarter and, uh, That'd be a ton of fun if people would consider helping us out. Yeah, I remember what a fun book that was because it um, was sort of uh, like meant to be a comedy. It's like not like, you know, there's science fiction and then there's, you know, comedy. It's, uh, you know, people sort of it's, you know, completely it's completely irreverent. It is this it is my favorite comic book of all time. Let me put it that way. Sweet. But yeah, it's, and it was funny because Men in Black was on today and I remember we were talking about it, about how it's, you know, sort of that, um, you know, buddy team thing. And everybody and, loves that movie. And if they love that, I know that they'll love Unit 44 as well. Yes. Uh, now, can I get a Unit 44 theme song oh, somewhere? We'll have to. Maybe Will Smith can write us one. Oh, I would that love that. I just had. I must have mentioned him recently because now all of a sudden I had like all of these Will Smith fake accounts following me today. <laughs> Did you mute like, Will Smith on Twitter? I hope not. I must have. I don't know why, but I must have mentioned him recently. But it's just it's funny because it takes the the bots a few days to catch up. Yeah, that's hilarious. Except for now, he probably wouldn't write our song. He would send in his son to write our song. It, or no, his daughter's the musician. Oh, is though. it? I, yeah, yeah, only, his daughter. Kids running around, I can't keep track of them all. Yeah, I think that's what would happen. Well, that'd be cool too. That maybe that would be that's more appropriate for the the generation at large then. Yeah, that, that would be. Fun. Make it happen. 
It should be. It should, you should have like a stretch goal. Yes. Like if if the unit forty four Kickstarter makes fifty thousand dollars, you'll try to we will hunt down hire Will Smith. <laughs> will Smith's daughter. Yeah. Um, what the heck? I can't even think of her name right now. I don't know. I don't even know that I've ever heard her music. I think I knew that she did it, but yeah, I think I'm. I don't know that I'm. Oh wait, that's right. That's right. I don't know that I'm that target demographic, so I'm okay with the fact Probably that I'm not, not familiar with it. Yeah, you're not a ten year old no. girl. You're a... <laughs> I just sound like them on podcasts. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, I'll I'll base boost your track. Nice. Don't. Okay. <laughs> I'll pay extra for that if I need to. <laughs> um. So. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, you know, I I do like uh, the the funny part of sci-fi. Yeah, I think it's going to be a riot. I'm I'm really proud of what we're doing, and I'm really excited to get it out to people. So hopefully, um, in, even if they can't support the Kickstarter now, I hope that they'll check it out when it comes out, probably fall of this year, early 2015. I would say. Okay. We're excited. Okay, that's good. So you're going to be doing printed copies. Oh, it's it's going to be a digital first initiative through Alternus. Okay. So they're going to do it okay. over. Uh, they'll release all the issues via Comixology, and then we we will do a collected edition, but um, okay. with some. That's actually my favorite way to go. And it's really, honestly, from a creator standpoint, as I'm sure you know, it's it's the most cost effective way to do it at this point. Um, just mm-hmm. Printing issues is as much as I love it. It's just you just lose money. It just you bleed money when you print issues. So. Really do. I know because I started. Um, I finally uh, found an artist who is just in between things, and cool. and like we have completely different um, philosophies there. Like he's yeah. like, oh, I really, you know, how many printed copies are we gonna do? And I'm like, uh, I really want to go to like online. Yeah, none, zero <laughs> copies. Uh, I just want to trade. That's the way I like things. Because that's the way I read. Yeah. Um, even when I was going to the comic shop all the time, because that, well, I mean, I used to work down there, but I mean, when I was getting the paper comics regularly, I would very often let them pile up. Exactly. And then binge read. Right. And so I'm just doing that with digital now. You said, are you mainly reading digital at this point? Well, yeah, yeah. because I'm mainly reading press copies. That's true. That's true. But I mean, now, I live out in the middle of nowhere, and I don't have access to a comic book shop without a FT Drive, so I'm all about yeah. the comicsology at this point. I think I'm actually reading more comics now than I probably have in the last five years. And I don't have to store them anywhere. It's amazing. Right. Well, and I like sale. Mm-hmm. So um, sure. I used to go to Wild Pig Comics. They would have a sale twice a year. Um, and I would just take, you know, like 50 bucks. Yep. And I would get like a giant <laughs> stack of trades. I mean, you could just find such bargains for at their sales. And I just like the trades better. So I would go to their to their sales and get a stack. And it would last me a year. And um, But then I noticed, you know, once Comixology kind of got a lot of their bugs worked out, um, I didn't really start buying anything through there until until I saw some notable changes. Yeah. And now, I mean, I, I don't buy much, but they, you know, they have a reasonable setup for how to subscribe to a title. Um, but it's, they do on occasion have sales or now they're doing bundles because they've realized right. <laughs> that all of the other digital outlets are doing the humble bundle it's, thing. It's a good business model. So that's. So they, you know, had to join that bandwagon and start having better sales and stuff. But yeah, I bought like I spent like ten dollars or something, got like a hundred comics. That's, so it was crazy. That's a good price. That's yeah. I'll keep you busy for a while. 
Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's indie stuff that um, I, a lot of people that I recognized from Twitter and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, and then some other number ones that I was like, oh, yeah, I completely meant to check that out. And that's something that I do, too, is when, especially for the smaller creators, I tend to buy their stuff digital, even if they're selling printed copies, because I, I know that they want to sell their issue. But I also know that it's just at the end of the day, it's so much more cost effective for them to just for me mm-hmm. to buy the digital version and still read it and still get the same amount of enjoyment out of it. So, yeah, chances are they're, they're making more money that yeah, way. And, and, you know, they're it's usually a better price point. It's it's easier. It's more accessible. So I'm I'm on board with the digital 100%. Yeah. And um, with uh, some of the the digital stuff, it's, well, like you were saying, that there's the same day and same day and date or there's digital first. Mm -hmm. For some people, that makes a really big deal. But for me, it doesn't because I'm not trying to go, oh, it's, you know, it's New Comics Wednesday and issue 36 is out and I have to read it before anybody else. I was never that person. No. I never, like, felt like I needed to rush (laughs) to read something the day it came out. Yeah. Even with um, a lot of digital stuff, it's the the first day it's on sale. It's usually, what, $3.99? Yeah, two ninety nine. No, and it, but if you if you can wait like a month or two, then it comes down to a more accessible price point. So if you don't mind mm-hmm. being a couple months behind, which I do not, then honestly, that's one of the reasons that I have not read Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel yeah. because they're still too high. Yeah. No, in Marvel's books, you know, I love Marvel to death, but I just I have such a hard time, you know, wanting to pay three ninety nine for something that doesn't really exist. Yeah, so they'll get it worked out. Yeah, I do like having. Um, my white box is used for other things. Yeah. So now I've put, now that I've got Netflix, I've put all my DVDs into my white box. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're there. They're somewhere. Yeah. I can get to them. I know. Why, why um, did we all buy these DVDs? It all seemed like such a good idea at the time. And now it's, I know. Well, it's, you know, it's the same thing as the comics. I see my DVDs because I did have time with a lot less cable channels or no cable at sure. all. I would just play DVDs mm-hmm. over and over and over again. <laughs> so my Batman animated series, my House, Monk, and Psych DVDs have pretty much been like, they're probably burned. <laughs> just, I've played all of those so it's much. Got character now. Yeah. And, and uh, I like that on Psych, they have really good commentary tracks. Yeah. And Netflix doesn't do that. That's true. I'm, I wonder when that, when like, that option will get integrated. I'm like, I will pay an extra, you know, dollar per show or whatever it is to have really good commentary yeah. tracks. I just get scared <laughs> that I'm going to turn on Netflix and there are going to be advertisements on it. Oh, God, I know. Any day now. Any day. Any day. Yeah, I know. Like Hulu. That was one of the things that somebody was like. I couldn't find a show, and they're like, oh, it's on Hulu. And I was like, why did I ever stop watching Hulu? And I turned yeah. it back on. I was like, oh, that's why. They're up to four advertisements now. They sneak them in there. They sneak an extra one every six months. And so soon we're just going to be watching regular TV on Hulu again. But literally, they only have four advertisements. So you're that's seeing <laughs> the, same, the same ones. Like, like oh, let me go watch a different yeah, show. I don't oh. want shampoo so badly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the same Nissan ad. I'm just yeah. tapping my eye man. Uh, so that's uh, uh that's where i stand on the, the digital yeah world i mean i i just like having less stuff yes no i agree i think and as i get older too i just want to have less things so i think eventually i'm just going to start selling all try to sell off these dvds and these comic books and 
these some of these books and just slim down and simplify a little bit. Because mm-hmm. every time you move, you just you hate yourself That's for it. buying anything. <laughs> That's exactly it. I'm like, oh shit, someday yeah. I'm gonna have to pack. Like next time I'm just taking the cats and that's it. Yeah, I never quite unpacked everything to begin with. Yeah. But, you know. Well, I threw all my stuff in a storage unit when I moved last time and, and I haven't been there. I haven't thought about it. And it's like, I just, should I just <laughs> let it go? Should I just let someone buy the storage unit and just un- unload me? Is that where Unit 44 came yeah. from? Well, that's, that's probably part of it. I always get really paranoid that I'm going to forget to pay the rent and something like that's going to happen to me. And I'm going to see people walking around with my clothes on in town. And so that's one of – maybe that's another comic book idea, but that is a fear of mine for some reason. <laughs> oh, what is the, – the government is tracking you, Wes I hope not. They, if they are, they're going to be bored to tears. I did worry, though, <laughs> when I was researching for Unit 44 – and I say researching, yeah. but it's about Area 51, so it's like, what does anybody truly know about that? But, okay. but I was a little bit worried that I was going to get on a, like a watch list for some of the things that I was Googling. I'm really disappointed if I'm not at this point. Because I'll often be like looking up firearms yeah, and weapons. Yeah, you're like, yeah. take that NSA. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, especially if I do it at work, which is oh, usually geez. a pain. <laughs> Because half of them, at least, are gun nuts. Yeah. Nobody's going to pull so, you aside and say, Amber, we need to talk. <laughs> we talk yeah, about your search history. <laughs> it's either my search history or they're looking over my shoulder and like, oh. And I'm like. <sighs> well, if people see like, you looking at guns, I don't think, you know, people would be less likely to probably mess with you in any way. <laughs> that's true. I would hope. Yeah. We can't fire this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one is keep this. Just leave this one alone. Let her do her thing. Don't make her angry. She's dangerous. <laughs> so what was the, the transition going from something uh, that was this fun sci-fi? Instead, you I mean, you're still doing the fun thing yeah. into the undoubtable. Well, the, the undoubtables was has actually been in the process, been in the pipeline for close to three years now. This was, um, so this was, I think I got the... I feel less bad about myself now, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because that's about what my story's going yeah, on. And, and that's been kind of the, uh, my other book that we talked about last time I was on Chambers, that one took about a year and three months. So it's, it's been pretty, you know, working especially with some newer artists who maybe haven't, haven't done such a long graphic novel before. I, you know, I feel like that's pretty standard and I think that they need the time that they need to do their best work. Um, but yeah, I think we signed the contract for this maybe back in 2011. So it's been a long time coming and we turned it in and it's still, we had a waiting process before it actually came out. Um, but it's out now. It's, uh, it was published by Marcosia enterprises out of uh, the UK. And, uh, it's right now it's on Amazon in paperback. It's on their website in paperback. It's also on Kindle. Um, I don't know when this interview might come out, but it's supposed to be on Comixology on July 30th, which would be next Wednesday. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it is actually out at that point. Okay, that's true. I forgot that Chambers was in between there because that was that was unfun. Well, that was un, unfunny. Correct. The, and then I actually wrote the Undoubtables before I wrote Chambers, so it's just okay. coming out in a different order. Uh huh. Um, the Undoubtables uh, for folks that are curious. That's right. I forgot that I, people are actually going to be listening to us talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, get um, on with it. They're probably not going to be reading the show notes. All the hard work that I put into oh, them. I'll read. But. You read the show yeah. notes about I'll you. I read the show notes about us. <laughs> um, it's a uh, really uh, like fast-paced heist story because all heist movies sort of have that energy behind them. 
heist stories always have a, a particular pace to them. And I find that if they don't, there's, um, it, it's a, like, you can feel it. You can feel that it's sluggish. Yeah, you don't want it to drag. And in, in, in my opinion, any good heist uh, film or, or book, it needs to constantly build up that momentum. You really need to kind of be running and running and reaching a bowling point the, the closer you get to the finish. So I'm glad that you said that. That actually makes me feel like I've accomplished what I set out to do. Yeah, I, well, and I remember it because in Chambers, you also had a lot of chasing going sure. on, a lot of cat, cat and mouse stuff I love going a good on. chasing. Yeah, so it shows because you're, you've sort of become like this master of telling that. <laughs> and I love well, that I, because I think you should find a way to, I don't know, teach it. I'll put some thought into that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like make a make a tutorial or something, and then give me like homework. <laughs> like here's here just make some lesson plans. Yeah, nice. maybe I can do that. But I think that um, every when you hear heist, you kind of expect everybody. You say heist, and everybody has like a movie that they go to in their brain that they sure you know equate with that. So I just wanted to make sure that I kept it familiar enough that that anybody because you don't hear a lot of comic books being advertised as a heist comic book. That's not a very typical genre. Um, I, I spent a lot of time just even recently looking to see what other heist comics were out there, and there really there really weren't that many. Um, but just I wanted to have those some of those tropes, some of that familiarity, so that people could jump in, know what they were kind of in for, and then just enjoy spending time with the characters throughout the story. And we do have a lot of characters, and and there, there, even though there's a lot going on, there's there's a great kind of I feel like there's a great kind of flow to it, and there's a pretty good payoff at the end. Cool. So before we get into the characters, um, let's talk about the characters of you guys. Let's talk about the team, sure. who you assembled for this whole project. So I, I handled the uh, the writing and the, the lettering duties for it. And the artist is a fellow named Amra Ozdemarlar, who is from uh, Sweden. And he and I connected on, on digital webbing, actually. We were both kind of just, just kind of getting started in, in the comics world. And he was looking for some projects, and I pitched him on a couple things. And he did uh, did a five page pitch for the series, and we kind of tossed it around. And um, in 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 all honesty, I you know I didn't really know what I was doing necessarily back at that point because I was still very new to it. So I I remember sending it to several publishers, and people were very nice, and people passed on it, which you know I don't blame them for. So I I kind of paused, and as I learned a little bit more, I went back and kind of revised the the pitch document, and made a stronger outline for it. Um, and then pitched it to a couple other people that I qu- hadn't quite had the stones to do so prior to that. Um, and one of them was Marcosia, who I was reading a lot of their books at the time, and I really liked what they were doing. Um, very, very crazy stuff. They do a lot of really indie type stuff, and, and I highly recommend that people go through their backlist if they're not familiar with them as a publisher. Uh, but I, so I sent it to them, and then about two days later, my phone rang, and it was the publisher who had called me because he lives in the UK, so I wasn't really expecting an international phone call. Um, but he, he and I chatted it out, and Kind of, he told me what they were planning to do just as a publisher, and it was stuff that I was interested in. So, Amra and I, we talked about it and thought it'd be a good home, and here we are, nearly three years later. That's cool. So the two of you then were uh, like partners from the beginning, um, and then you got to bring in. Uh, well, you got to do your own letters, so you're lucky there. Yeah. But then you got to have a couple people working on colors. Yeah, we got a colorist and, and uh, graphics. Keith mm-hmm. Armando, who who also did my book Chambers, he handled the interior colors for this. And then uh, Kel Smith, um, she provided the colors for um, our main graphic novel cover. Uh, so it, two, I've worked with both of them before, and I knew that they were great, professional, dependable. So they were the first people that I reached out to when it came time for those. Uh, those sides of the art. But Amra, the cool thing about him that, that really helped him get the work done 
is because when you're starting off in comics, I think, especially as an artist, that's somebody says, hey, this is going to be in, you know, a 90 page graphic novel that I feel like that would be pretty daunting. It, it is. It's like, oh, my God, like the commitment. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, you know, they're going to be spending like 10 hours on a single page and, and maybe that's just for the pencils. And he did the pencils and the ink. So luckily, though, um, he went to I guess they, they call it comic school in Sweden. So he was able to actually draw our book as his school project for like two and a half years. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, it was. So he got to work on it. He got to be, you know, work with some some bigger artists over there. And it really gave him the time that he needed to dedicate to it. So I think that really helped us out. And, and if you look, if you look at the, the first couple pages versus the last couple pages, you almost have a completely different artist. But um, he just got stronger and stronger as we went on. And, and I think that it was I a noticed, great, yeah. it was a great growth opportunity for both of us just because of where we were when we were putting it together. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's not uncommon No, because, um, uh, did you ever read, um, like, you know, the funny pages, like, you know, Garfield? Oh, absolutely. And you see how that changes from the, and you see how that changed. Yeah. Like I, you know, if you look at how Snoopy used to be drawn or how Garfield used to be drawn originally, sure. they were really, you know, there was this evolution to being what, you know, that was eventually a more iconic mm-hmm. image. And you know, I was talking to somebody about Woody Woodpecker, and I was like, oh, my God, those early Woody Woodpeckers used to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> and I don't know why, yeah. but there was something, like, to me, very evil and scary about it. I don't, I don't and, remember what early Woody Woodpecker looked like. Did they kind of soften him up with time? Yeah, okay. they, you know, rounded him out a little gotcha. bit, um, changed the coloring, because I think he was originally, like, can't remember now if it's was blue with a red chest or something like that and but yeah they made his hair like really really spiky and they made his beak like really long in the beginning and there was just something that to me just looked like he was scary Mm -hmm. you know and I sort of had a problem with any of the menace characters like I just didn't find them funny I'm like you're going around damaging shit. That's not funny. I'm like I was a re- I was an ethical child. Yeah, like, I don't understand. Woody Woodpecker. He's too out of control for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know, especially when it comes to comics, it's it's almost if somebody's not a professional, I think maybe there's even something to be said for if their art looks the same at the end as it did at the beginning. Maybe you know, maybe they're not growing enough. So you know, I look back on it and I see it, and, and you said that you noticed it, but I think that's. I don't think it's a huge shift. It's not like it's a different person, no. but it's just, it was so cool just to kind of watch him kind of come into his own and be comfortable. And I think that the, the characters, like their faces and yeah, stuff he just became much more refined. Absolutely, There's so much personality as it rolls on. It just, it just gets thicker and thicker and it's, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. And the one, um, obviously there's, uh, the main character, uh, Spade, but, um, then I think it was Hart. Was that the guy with the cowboy hat? Yeah, that's Hart. Okay, yeah. He to me, he just had like such a great look. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a fun one. And just for anybody that's listening that maybe isn't familiar with the book, um, I'll give the kind of synopsis of it real quick. But uh, uh, the career thief Spencer Spade Shelton, uh, he's back in New York City after escaping prison, and he's kind of going around trying to collect money from people who owe it to him. And he ends up crossing the wrong people, uh, and and they come after him. And while the police are coming after him, he's basically trying to escape everybody with his money and his life and he's kind of bringing his crew along for the ride and and his crew uh spade club diamond and hearth are all named after the suits of playing cards which seemed generally clever at the time but i think it works (laughs) i think it's fun that's what i would do if i I were going to put together a crew and rob a bank yeah and 
you know, and uh, I I liked the way that they were introduced. Um, in I, I was a huge fan of Leverage. Yes, and um, another one that I started to play the DVDs out. Um, I I like how you introduced these characters where you had them, um, like you're following Spade immediately, right, and you bring him into this situation where he's trying to collect all of this money that this rival, um, you know, mafia gang owes him. And all of a sudden, you know, without getting too spoilery, it's like each page you're realizing somebody else is on Spade's team right. <laughs> and not the other guy's exactly. teams. And, um, and it just keeps going on like that. It's like, okay, the next, next couple pages, oh, look, this guy's in it too. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that. That was definitely one of those scenes that's just – for me, it was really fun to write that because that's the type of thing that I always enjoy being caught off guard by who's who's really who. So it was fun to kind of build the team. I always loved the build the team issues like in the superhero comics. So that was my opportunity to finally write a building the team type of section. And I noticed that um, at least I'm not sure if the file that I got for, you know, to preview is going to be similar to what your finished book is like, but um, I, I didn't notice any chapter breaks or issue breaks or anything. So is that typical how, how you wanted to do that? Um, well, when we first talked about it, when, when we first were approached by Marcosia, we were going to release it as a, a four-issue miniseries. So I have, um, when, when people, if they buy the finished book or they get it on Comixology, they'll actually see all the, the covers. They'll be kind of pasted in there, um, either near the front or kind of in the back as pinups. So it was envisioned uh, to have breaks. It, I, personally, I think it reads better without them. Um, so I'm, I'm actually kind of excited that they decided to, to release it as just a graphic novel rather than serialize it. Uh, I think that it reads better if you just kind of do it in one sitting. So I, didn't, I wasn't really keen on it at first, but then when I actually – I hadn't read the book in, in many months, and I sat down and I read it one day uh, in their format, and I thought it actually flowed really, really well. Yeah, I don't think it's always necessary um, unless you're doing something, um, you know, like changing to a, a different setting and you have to reestablish a setting or something. And it goes like back that. to what you said, too, is that so much of the book is spent building up a momentum because as everybody, as people are after other people and people are moving toward their final destination in the book, I felt like the chapter breaks almost slowed that momentum down. So I, I think it yeah. it kind of helps it build to that fever pitch if you just don't stop. Right. Um, because like in, if it was a heist movie, you would see it all straight. Right. To, straight They're not going to throw in a commercial break right there. Is, right. Someone's about to get shot in the head. Right. Um, like and episodes of Leverage. Like, yeah, they had commercials because it was on TV, but they had um, one, you know, it would be like one plan per episode usually and then the one season that they tried to do a bigger arcing story and that carried over episodes it was awful yeah i think that's the season i dropped off because i really did like that show when it started and then i eventually just kind of kind of lost interest in it yeah they they started trying to introduce a much bigger evil you know character the the Um, one and done was the perfect format for that show the one yeah exactly i mean they did a couple bottle episodes yeah you know which i i really would love because I went to uh, the Mystery Writers Convention, uh, uh, Mystery Writers of America. I mean, uh, gave a workshop a couple weeks ago, and they. I would. I would love it if one of the workshops was like you know writing a bottle episode. No, because I'm not too hip on TV slang, but is a bottle episode is that where it all takes place in one setting? In one, okay, room, one room, yeah. One. It doesn't mean it has to be a room, like one house, but something something where you're not leaving that gotcha. set. Those are always fun. 
Yeah. And I imagine for TV, it's tricky because they have to worry about cameras and stuff. Yeah. But I, I mean, for a, a comic, it's perfect, mm-hmm. you know, because first of all, you, any of the artists, they, they don't necessarily have to worry about world building. It's, you know, they're just going to worry about um, designing, you know, if it's a big mansion or something like that. Yeah. They could have a lot of fun, like, you know, laying that out. And you could, you know, you could, that's the sort of thing that you could collaborate and plan on. Like, no, the, you know, like clue, right. <laughs> like the conservatory needs to be here. <laughs> the other opportunity that, that this comic gave me was I've always loved heist movies. And so it really I got to watch a lot of my favorites as research. Um, so that was that was fun during the process. And and I don't do you do you have any personal favorite heist movies? Um, let me see. Did I write them down? Because I did. I did put that out on Twitter and asked what people nice. what they liked. did. Anybody? Um, did anybody offer any? I'd be curious to see. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's let's talk about um, a couple. Well, we were talking about leverage. Yes. That um, I know a lot of people that I that I'm friends with on Twitter all chimed in about that. That's, and that was cool um, that was on TV and that wasn't a movie. That was something. Yeah. That was a real different idea and something that you normally don't see in that medium. So loved what that show was about. And I don't know. Is it still on or? Did it get canceled? No, no, they um, they ended oh, okay. it. They they ended it well. Cool. Like they knew they knew what they were going to do. Apparently, from episode one, they knew what they wanted their ending to be. Gotcha. They just didn't know how many years they were going to be allowed to to get to. There. I naturally assume that if I like a television show, it will be canceled. It will be canceled yes. right away. Yeah, so of course. That's awesome that they actually got to end it. Yeah, also, um, that's on Netflix, right? I might have to check that out. Yes, it is on Netflix. Cool. Um, there's a show called Hustle that's from, that's basically like, you know how like all of our American TV is stolen from BBC? Of course. So apparently Leverage (laughs) was from, was taken like from Hustle. Oh, okay. I I don't know. I don't know if it was supposed to be a direct adaptation or if it's one of those things like, oh, the Brits are doing a show, we're going to do one. (laughs) Uh, But Hustle is on YouTube. Now, I just have a really hard time sitting through YouTube as a form of, relaxation like I want to sit in bed and I've tried going through the um like the blu-ray player yeah but then you you know I'm trying to search and I don't have a keyboard it's it's just you know it just doesn't really it's not conducive for me to watch to watch it but hustle I saw um as much as I I could of one episode on on YouTube and I thought okay well this seems like a lot of fun too was that that was another popular suggestion on Twitter yeah, it was okay. like so. That's how people like because I was like, God, guys, I miss leverage. What can I watch? Yeah. And that was what people had suggested. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. I'll jot that down. Yeah. And then as far as comics go, um, Michael Lark, who's the artist on Lazarus, um, he reminded me about uh, the Parker series, yes. of course, from Darwin. Which Talk. I'm a huge, huge fan of, and helped to inspire Chambers actually. Uh, yeah, I mean they're just so great. Like visually, they're they're so amazing. Oh, yeah. And he includes like so few words and it's like and you know that these came from these you know regular yeah, novels 200 page novels or whatever they were um and i love uh his coloring that it's yes. like you know just like sort of this charcoal coloring and then spots of color and then every every book has its own kind of dedicated color to it which is which yeah. is really cool yeah that's and you know and then there's his his particular artistic style which is gorgeous just, no one draws like Darwin. No, it's fantastic. So, um, so yeah, the Parker series definitely recommended. Um, and sitting on my shelf, which I still have not read, uh, is the Brubaker Phillips criminal comics. Yes, which are which are also fantastic and highly recommended for anyone who might like a good heist. Yeah, so still on my shelf. I would say that that all those are are people are into those. I would 
love if they would give Undoubtables a chance. I really think that it's going to scratch that same itch. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, ours is definitely, I think, I think of Criminal. Criminal's very dark and, and it's gritty and it's dirty. And, and I think ours definitely has a little bit more of a lighter tone to it. It doesn't, it mm-hmm. doesn't get into anything too crazy. And the characters are all very kind of eccentric anyway. So I think that we, we kind of keep the heist. I like to think of it more of like a, if you ever saw the, the Ocean's Eleven with, uh, with Brad Pitt, George Clooney. You know, I have them, and I didn't like them. Well, the first one, I, I liked the first one a lot, but I would agree with you on the subsequent sequels. Not really my thing. Yeah. But that, um, yeah. if you if people who have, have seen that film and liked it, if they kind of enjoyed that ex- that interplay between the characters, I think maybe we come from more of a, that type of tone. Yeah, it's definitely because they, the characters play off each other. They all have the distinct personality and expertise. Yeah. And, um, I, your your main character, like, doesn't fire guns. Right. You know, so and that's one of those things where some people just like, how can you how can you be the leader if you're not, you know, if you're not doing anything that's fatal? You got to have rules. Yeah, you do. So, yeah, so it was your world and you made these mm-hmm. rules and that's what he, you decided for Spade. Yeah. And, and that's typically, you know, again, that's one of those things that you tend to notice if you if you watch a lot of heist flicks back to back. You know, the, the thieves always have their own set of rules that they kind of play by. So I definitely wanted to make sure that I instilled those qualities in, in the characters in the book. And sadly, because mm-hmm. it was only, um, if we would have done it in issues, it would have been only four issues long. And if we'd spent more time, if we'd had more to work with, then um, I definitely would have liked to have gone deeper into some of the other characters because all of them were so much fun. And I, it kills me that maybe a few of them don't get the spotlight that they deserve. But um, mm-hmm. I would love to spend more time. You know, if, if Omri, if he came to me tomorrow and said, let's do another one, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, and and it certainly seems like um, if you were able to get to a, another volume, you know, perhaps, if you know, because now that you're comfortable with Kickstarter, that's the sort of stuff that you could be like, oh, and like bonus material would be like this, you know, eight page story just about diamonds. For sure. I would love to do something like that. So maybe it's in the cards. We'll see what happens. It's, it's still a fresh yeah. release. So if people get out there and they support it, who knows what could happen? I want to I want to get on your case a little bit about something. Oh no. I know. Pressure. Right. The pressure's what on. You got? Okay. So when uh at the beginning the way that um we meet Spade, he is breaking out of prison and um uh sort of like, you know, Shawshank Redemption that that when there needs to be a plan. Like you don't just get out of prison and not have something to do. Right. Like you need <laughs> you need to have something to do. So your plan um, is you introduce this female character. Correct. And I want to know why you introduced her if she only got like a couple of. Well, initially, again, it comes down to to time. If we had more time, there was a whole there was a subplot I really wanted to do with that. And okay. by the time that that had changed, those pages had already been drawn. So sadly. She didn't get to come full circle the way that I intended to. And that's one of those things where, you know, when I read it back, I'm like, oh, no one will notice that. So thanks, Amber. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, but it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, you know, okay. So now we see that this guy has relationships. He sort of manipulates women. You know, he could probably manipulate anybody if he's the mastermind yeah. of a gang. You know, that means he's a good grifter. And, it, you know, and the girl obviously was being rebellious um, based on who she was. And there's actually there's now that I think about it, there's a line later in the comic that actually comes back and talks about her when it's when these two NYPD officers are having a conversation. They bring her back up. And if you 
and I don't know if it's coming to your mind or not, but if you go back and you reread that, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but that actually okay. will show you what was supposed to happen. It's just, uh-huh. like I said, it just it didn't, unfortunately, pan out. Mm-hmm. But that, that actually could be probably, if I did, like, a prequel comic, it would be that story. Okay. Um, yeah, because it was, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, why did you, you know, we, we rag about TV shows and movies. Like, yeah. uh, why did you go through this trouble of introducing this actress and then you kill well, her and off? Then, or and then, too, the, you recap, the, book, whatever. the book becomes a giant sausage fest after, after she's gone anyway. Yeah. So. Right. And, then, you know, at first I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm there for understanding that there are certain male cast things. Like the book that I wrote, I had to invent female characters because they're based on true stories and there were no female characters right. in the point, like in the plot of, of the, this history. So I invented wives and sisters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had to figure out how to make them important, how to not just be a book about white dudes. Right. And, but it was like, uh, it was like Irish American criminals here. I had to do, you know, I'm like, I don't, how do I, how do I diversify that? I think you look to, you know, you, like I said, I mean, this book was in production for close to three years and, and I look back at it now and, and there's probably just having grown as much as I have and released as much as I have since this book uh, was kind of came to mind, you know, sure. There's, there's things I would definitely do with it, but I'm, I'm happy with the finished product. And, and even though, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a female character is not the, the main role, or doesn't necessarily get a lot of right, and that, that has to be okay. Yeah, absolutely, and and but I, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, mm-hmm. probably. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, about you know, I didn't I didn't watch The Sopranos, but I, you know, I don't watch Sons of Anarchy, but people are always talking about how those female characters, um, were really vital components to the storyline. Yes. Um, which is funny because they're not, I guess, vital parts of the gangs or mobs or whatever um you know it's always the wife role girlfriend role and you're always some sort of abuse going on so it still feels very tropey and i'd rather them just not be there personally as a female reader i'd rather them just not be there at all than be a trope like that yeah and and i think too probably since i said that i I wrote this before i wrote chambers i think maybe part of that was me me writing a book with a female protagonist to make up for the the lack of female characters in the other book yeah yeah. And, you know, but like, you know, this this was a, a prison. Like, people are always talking about Orange is the New Black. Which I've never seen an episode of. I couldn't get through one episode of it. It's just not my yeah. thing. And people thought that I would love it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? It's women and, I mean, it's, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Everybody's got their thing. Exactly. And and if they thing. like it, they should, they can keep enjoying it, you know? Yeah, that's great. Whatever. I mean, but I'm like, people, I guess, you know, are getting... That it's all you know, all women, and you know, why aren't there any men in this show? And it's like, do you guys like remember Oz? Like, do you remember there was a male prison show? I, I mean, come on, like, like get over turn, it. Turn the channel. I think they just like you know, and and for what it is, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original show, so I mean, it's it's not to say that it's porn, but there's a lot of sex in yeah. it. So there's a lot of lesbian sex going on, and it's like. um you know, I think that's one of those porn trope fantasies of women's prison. Right. That, you know, I guess people would, I don't know, they expect it to be different. Or maybe they expect all the women to be prettier. I don't know. I, I, get, I don't really know what their problems are. <laughs> is, that, is that what's bringing all the people to the show? Is that they, they want, you know, people want to actively see that? 
I, I'm not sure. Oh, I, it's, it's probably a fair amount of people, I think, have that curiosity going on, like, oh, lesbian sex. Because if, if that's the case, then let's let's tell them that the Undoubtables is, is just packed full of lesbian sex. Packed full of lesbian sex. Packed. <laughs> and they rob banks. Yes, while, it, while they have, <laughs> if they have the energy, they, they rob banks. They rob banks. In between banks. steamy lesbian sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, there's four publishers in mind that would put that out in a heartbeat. <laughs> there's really Marcosia, if you're listening. There's there's no lesbian sex. <laughs> yeah, no, we're okay with it being a clean, wholesome. Yeah. You know, occasionally people get shot. Yeah, dork. and it, it, it's, it's pretty wholesome too. There's there's a little. There might be the occasional bad word in there, but it's pretty yeah. it's pretty fun for the whole family. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where it's like okay, people people get shot and and we can still say that it's like PG. Yes. <laughs> um, <True. laughs> you know, but we're immune to violence at this point. Yeah. And uh but I think robbing banks and heist things, it's not something that you necessarily hear about every day the way that we're you know, these horrors that we see, like the dead bodies in Gaza. I mean, we're seeing like horrible horrible things every day. And to think that people really are still robbing banks, yeah. you know, like it still happens. I think now is the time. I mean, there's all this other horrible stuff happening. You know, is anyone really going to notice when you rob a bank? And it's usually low tech stuff. Yeah. Like these are not people that are hacking into surveillance cameras <laughs> and you know, walking in with a mask on their face right. and slipping a note. Keeping it old school. And then they get away. Yeah. You just don't really expect it, that though. You know, that would catch me off oh. guard. Yeah, I mean it's like, and I don't, I don't know. Um, I should, ha- I should ask Jesse, um, who contributes to the website. He works uh, in a bank, and I-, I should ask if they have special training, like if, if they're told no, just, <laughs> just give whatever they ask for, so that nobody gets hurt. Just, just gonna be nervous. You're like Amber, why, why are you asking this? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. can, can you get us blueprints do, of the vault? Do not come. Yeah, do not come to my. <laughs> Um, okay, so we can, all right, so I, I have no problem, like, ex- excusing that there, that it's a, a male story and stuff like that. I just wanted to, to ask if that was intentional or what was going on there. But, we, we, um, did we clarify pretty well? Yeah, I think Excellent. so. I think so. And Chambers, as you said, has a female lead character, yes. so. Um, the, the process, though, speaking of floor plans, <laughs> I want to know what it's, <laughs> what it's like, um, because I've written one heist story before. It's a short story. Um, and I, I did it more on the fly than I think you would expect, like in a TV writer's room where, um, there's notes everywhere and people pulling their hair out, trying to make sure that timelines are exactly perfectly nailed down and stuff. What do you go through to do something complicated? I think that the the rule that I set for myself was to it, it needed to, again I knew I, I only had 88 pages to tell this story so I knew that I wanted it to have a good payoff but I knew that I didn't have time to get into anything too super complicated so I think a lot of it was definitely part of it was on the fly and and I think as I learned more about the characters and I learned more about where everybody needed to end up that dictated kind of what else needed to happen and I know I'm I'm speaking very generally but um the characters this is such a writer thing to say but the characters kind of came up with it on their own and I just kind of wrote it down 
as, as they then I hate <laughs> <laughs> they kind of talked about it, you know, at, amongst themselves and they planned their heist and I was just kind of there to help them out with it. So I, I knew I wanted it to be a bank heist and I knew that so, I wanted there to be um, more to it, slightly more to it than just a simple bank heist. So maybe my my part was coming up with the, the secondary part of the bank heist. Because there are essentially two bank heists instead of one. Right, right. And there's a, you know, and you have to put in, like, the fake out. Right. Like, because you have the police, and then you have the mafia right. also chasing them. Um, and how do you pull off a heist when someone's trying to kill you? That's the other question yeah. that we had to answer. See, these, are, these are, like, really key things that I think about why I liked the way that you plotted this story. Because you made sure to hit certain marks. Like, at one point, you know, one of the team members you know gets taken away mm-hmm. so it's like okay do we worry about that team member or do we go after the mission right. you know and then you've got these two separate teams you know more bad guys and you've got the cops if we can call them the good guys chasing the team as well so um always upping the stakes right and like, the other question okay. i wanted people to ask too was just i wanted them to kind of because there are so many characters that are slowly converging throughout the book, I wanted them to, as the reader, to kind of decide who who their good guy was, who they want to root for in this situation, because they have a lot of options. Right. Well, that's actually my next question, um, is because I think, I, I think it's normal for people to confuse the words protagonist and antagonist with good guy and bad Very guy. True. And I was asking, you know, people like, you know, Hey, what's your favorite, you know, story, any format, you know, told from the villain's point of view? Your villain is your protagonist. That's a good question. You're seeing things through that person's eyes, that sort of thing. And um, somebody said Dexter, but to me, I've never watched the show. Um, to me, I was told that Dexter was a good guy, that he's just, he does very bad things for very good reasons. Yeah. Well, I think it's open um, to interpretation in a lot of cases, too. Uh, yeah. But I think things like maybe um, Norman Bates. Yeah, that's probably a better example. And um, see, I I am not watching, I don't watch Hannibal, but the fact that it's called Hannibal makes me wonder if there's more time spent looking through his side of it, his perspective of it, but I don't think it is. I, I've never seen the show, so I'm going to be curious with yeah. you. Yeah, um, because the movie in the book, as far as I know, focused on the FBI agent's right. perspective. It's like, just because he plays, like, the major role does not make it his point of view. It makes it, you know, it was still her point of view completely. Um, so, comics probably have more villain stories than anything else, yeah. because people like their villains. Absolutely. Um, there's Joker stories, I'm sure. Um, I know DC did uh, a couple little one-shots a while back where they did the Penguin, the Scarecrow, uh, gosh, who else? Two-Face, maybe? Um, that sounds like fun already. Yeah, Mad Hatter. I think they each got like their own one-shot. And, uh, you know, but it's it's one of those things where when you do that, when your protagonist is your bad guy, suddenly you start seeing these elements about them being more of a person, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this person had relationships. Right. Oh, this person is real, you know, has the dog. This person <laughs> has, um, you know, like, 
really liked their second grade teacher or something, you know, (laughs) like, you know, there's, there's some sort of thing in there that makes it endearing. Actually, Heroes, the TV show, when it was good, which was the first season, the second season went to hell. But Siler was like the best bad guy on TV at the time. You felt bad for him at times. Because you you did, and you loved him, and he was charismatic. Yeah. And there was something. There was just well, Zachary Quinto is just amazing. I mean, he's just on a screen, and it's like, oh my god, do anything. And uh, it was his evilness was like he tried to be so subtle about it, like the way that he would kill people. Right. He's just like, I'm just gonna slice your scalp off because I have a reason. I have a reason to do this. My reason is that I want to see how your brain works. Exactly, and then with any good bad guy, the bad guy never believes that they are the bad guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that very true. The hero of their own story. You got they it. Say. So it's interesting because then, even then, it's true. If somebody's reading the Undoubtables, they're gonna inevitably, hopefully, root for somebody who is the bad guy. Yeah, and that's the thing, because you do. I mean, you're rooting for this team, like, for some reason, you you just are, because that's, the focus is on them. Mm-hmm. You definitely see the mafia guys as bad guys. Yeah. And then you bring in the buddy cop, <laughs> um, which uh, I I was like, you know, I was thinking, hmm, where, you know, is this suddenly, it, you decided, you didn't decide to focus on the police. Like, it wasn't a cop unfolding a mystery, catching the bad guy story. Yes. Because you could have done that. Right. Like, if you told, um, you know, like, if you had that opportunity to have other material or whatever, it, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what would this story look like told from the police perspective? Mm-hmm. It was Duluth, and what was the other guy's name? Uh, Detective Wells. Detective Wells. Yeah. So, um, like, to see them, like, so frustrated in their cubicles and the phone ring and, you know, getting excited. That's it. We got them. And run out the door and then something stupid to happen to them. <laughs> and the other cop, you know, of course, mocking every single thing that they do. Like, they have their own bad guys. Exactly. Because they're, they're chasing this team. But then they also have the, you know, the douchebag in the department that's <laughs> mocking them. Everybody definitely yeah. has their own, their own motivations behind what they're, what they're doing in the grand scheme of things. So I'm hoping that that's something that people really enjoy about it is just that there are so many different groups of characters and they each kind of have their own thing going on, but still contributing to the overall plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you couldn't, you could just easily sort of stick your head into any one of their heads. Yeah. Like, but I'm glad you picked up on, on a lot of these things because I haven't gotten a whole lot of feedback on the series since it's so new. So it's, it's great to, that a lot of the stuff that I thought about is coming across for you. Good. Well, yeah, and hopefully because um, as people, as I start asking these sort of things on Twitter, like, oh, what's your favorite heist movie? Or, or they'll, you know, that's the idea is that I'm like, hey, this episode is out and I really enjoyed it. You guys really need to read this. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I didn't, I, I would have just like not mentioned it. <laughs> um, but it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Do you, since this was um, an older project and maybe this has changed and now that it's out, but have, did you picture actors in your head or voices of the actors of actors uh, at all in your head? That's a good question. I don't think I think I might do that now a little bit more than I I did back then, just because I again I was I was still pretty new. This is this is definitely one of my very first comic projects that got any steam to it. So I, I don't think I really did that back then. I'm, I'm really trying to remember. Um, 
It's just one of my favorite things yeah, to do to waste time. Absolutely. And like, and I, and I, <laughs> I don't have, know why. I have those conversations with my wife sometimes. I'm like, who, who, you know this story? Like, who you yeah, who would you cast in this role? We were talking about that for Unit Forty Four the other night. Um, so I think, I think more so now, I would be apt to do that. But if anybody other than Patrick Warburton is the big guy in Unit Forty Four, that's funny. I think that's one of the, that's one of the suggestions that was thrown out there. He's perfect yeah. for it. Yeah, absolutely. This. I'm trying to not be spoiler okay. here, but in the last act, you had the the gang refer to a character named Ace that was killed during a previous robbery. So we never actually see Ace. We don't know anything about Ace, but it's something that you introduced like way in the last act. Yes. So I was wondering what the significance of bringing it up at all and why you brought it up then. It was because I needed, I wanted the viewer to understand that that they don't have necessarily the best track record of succeeding in the, in, in the retrieving of lost teammates world. So it was, okay. it was honestly, it was an entire page just so I could make a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was really what it boils down to. Oh, you couldn't kill your darling. No, no. These things happen. Remember old project, old project, old project, old project, but, but a project that you pulled off successfully. Sure. Um, and, you know, and this was, was near the end, as I said. And so then um, you end it on this up note where it's uh, sort of like a setup into a possible future chapter. Like, you know, you chose this ending. It's not open-ended. Like, that particular case and that goal of those characters is done. Definitely. But then um, it's this fun, pos- like, you know, positive up note that uh, – you know, the first stage of the next heist. I think that I, I ended it the way I did because in my brain, the the artist Amra, he would just want to keep on drawing it forever. <laughs> and he would naturally say, hey, I'm missing, you know, I'm missing some pages here. What, where's the next couple pages? And I would secretly give him an issue five. Maybe that's what I was uh-huh. hoping would happen in my brain. <laughs> Do you actually um, notice when heist do you make the news? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I, any time that I see any type of robbery or well-constructed setup, and I did a lot of research, too, when I was writing this. I remember looking at some of the most famous, you know, heists in history. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you don't see them a lot anymore. And if they do, they're usually surrounded with a lot of violence. But, I, you know, I like to look back on when people were actually just really clever and crafty, uh, stealing money out of airplanes and stuff. Yeah, and I, wasn't there one, like, a year ago? There may. I may have missed that one, but... Wouldn't surprise me. Um, there's been a couple like big jewelry related ones in like the recent recent history, okay. but um, I have uh, like a Google search, um, like a saved news thing for art. So a lot of times I'm not seeing art being stolen, but I'm seeing the recovery stories. Gotcha. And those were always my favorite like leverage things too, other than like big business. Um, I like when they take down, you know, the Walmarts that come to town and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, but the art ones, I just just happen to really think they're interesting because somebody has to determine ownership. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, it was out of, you know, this family's hands for so many generations. So that person was dead 100 years ago. So are they really, is that family really the owner? Is the country where it came from the owner? Is there a museum that's supposed to be the owner? And that's like that stuff just gets so um, conflicted, right. you know. Like somebody will have 
a freaking Manet on their kitchen wall for 20 years and, you know, think, oh, well, my grandfather gave me this painting that he found at a garage sale. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's like, you know that the, you know, the right thing to do would be like, oh, well, I'll give it to the person that it was stolen from. But if that person's dead. Right. What do you do? I don't know. I don't know if I would want to part with that. You got to make those the tough choices. Tough, tough moral dilemma. I don't know. I would be, I would probably be a bit more Indiana Jones about it going, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> I know that uh, on cracked.com they had several lists. I think this is just something that they do every year. They put together like top lists of heists. They must get bored once in a while and they just go through heist stories. When you got to crank out as much content as they do. You probably <laughs> yeah, have exactly. researched a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, um, the Mona Lisa has been stolen. Yeah. Um, there was a French thief, Stefan Breitweiser, who stole over 200 pieces nice. of fine art. His was a good one because it was he he had a girlfriend that would create distractions in museums, and so then he would just go mm-hmm. up to a painting, cut it out of the frame. Yeah. There were so many people that that I read about that simply stole art just by grabbing it off the wall, just by and grabbing it. Out with it. Yep. Yeah, there's there was a lot of that. Um, Mario, I don't. You might know Mario uh, Candelaria. I want to say is how you say his last name. He's the other Mario C. Um, not um, any bells. On Twitter, he's the other Mario C because a lot of people know that there's a more famous stand-up comedian named Mario. Okay. <laughs> so, so he's like, I'm the other Mario. Um, and he was saying that uh, the Lufthansa heist. Yes, that's one I read a lot was, about. Was his his favorite yeah. true story um that was back in 1978 and they estimated like what would be well it was five million dollars in cash back then nearly nine hundred thousand dollars in jewelry back then so probably over 20 million dollars worth of stuff that's that's one of my favorites too that's got a great story if anybody isn't familiar with that that is a good read on on wikipedia or another website that really kind of breaks it down Mm -hmm. yeah crazy stuff they didn't they didn't get away with it that I recall, they all got arrested rather quickly, but they still stole the money. Yeah. Well, would you consider D.B. Cooper a heist, or would you just consider it like a robbery? <laughs> D.B. Cooper, because they never found him, right? He. No. Yeah. No one knows. There's theories. Yeah, that's true. I, I, that's a, you know, the, I think because he was alone. I think it's a, maybe maybe more of a robbery if he'd had a team. Yeah. But maybe he did have a team. Who knows? Maybe he had a team. Yeah. Yeah. See, Leverage did a, a look back at like a what if of D.B. Cooper. That's cool. And it was funny because, like, then they would put the, you know, their current team in, like, all these period clothes to reenact the That's stuff. That's awesome. I have to check, check that episode out. Yeah. Um, they've done everything. Such a good show. I was hoping Mind Games would fill my leverage void. But Mind Games, as you were saying, as soon as you start like something, you know, it gets canceled. I never even, it did not make I never it. even heard of that one. So that one probably <laughs> That's didn't Christian Slater. Christian Slater was on it. So he's just TV kryptonite. There's where they started off wrong right there. Yeah. And he wasn't bad in it, and it um, was Steve Zahn was like the main character too. So he's awesome. Yeah. Steve Zahn is like so great in everything. So yeah, sadly that show did not make it. Hopefully, it was like a it was like a cross between Leverage and Mentalist. Okay, I feel like I may have seen that advertised at some point because I remember saying, "Wow, Steve Zahn's in a new show." Because I hadn't seen him or heard anything from him in a while. So yeah. Huh. You know, so it had, like, a little bit of grifting, but it had a lot of uh, stuff like you would see on The Mentalist, like, uh, you know, 
casually manipulating somebody without them realizing that you're doing gotcha. it. That kind of stuff. The NLP and um, all that fun stuff. But anyway, oh, oh, before I forget, I want to make sure that we get some recommendations from you and find out what conventions you're going to be at. Okay. Uh, conventions, we've got, I don't know, I'm, I'm located in, in the Florida Panhandle, so if anybody's going to be in, in Panama City, you know, because spring break. Um, <laughs> um, in the dead of <laughs> um, September, September 13th is the day. There's a, there's a, the Panama City Creative Con is happening. It's a one day show that I'll be a part of over there. And then, uh, in April, I think it's April 10th through 12th, uh, 2015, I'll be tabling at, uh, Megacon in Orlando, Florida. So that'll be, and maybe some other stuff. I'm still trying to, to catch up with a few places here and there. So. But those are what I have nailed down for sure. So I'm hoping I'll see some friendly faces. And if you're if you're listening and you see me, tell me that you heard me here. And then I'll like high five you or something, and still yeah, hope that totally. still hope that you buy something from me. Then you have to have an uh, obligatory um, vodka cocktail after the show. <laughs> oh, <or geez>. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Then if I meet more than like four people, I'm done for. Yeah, <laughs> your poor wife will be calling me. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> It's a convention, don't worry. He's fine. Sure. <laughs> um, so you were talking about a recommendation before we started recording oh, that I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware yeah, of. Because I, I, w- I was telling you oh. that I, I like to listen to your podcast, you know. Cause, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you doing it because you have a lot of my friends on it. So uh, to get – and I think the I listened to – a couple, um, but one of uh, like you had Ryan K. Lindsay on a few months back, and oh you know, yeah, Ryan's a delight. So I, I I see his name pop up, and I you know I want to listen to that, and a couple of the other folks I was saying that I kind of learned a little bit more about what they're doing and check out their projects. But you had Claire Connolly and you had Erica Schultz, who are uh-huh. hilarious, hilarious ladies that have this crazy book out about Winston Churchill riding dragons and <laughs> being being British, which I'm super excited to pick up. So. If the ladies hear this, know that they're going to be getting an order fairly soon for that. And um, Claire, I I wasn't I only very recently met Erica through Twitter, um, who's very nice and very gracious. But Erica's work, um, I'm sorry, uh, Claire's work. She's working with uh, Eric Grissom, who Eric Grissom. I just adore yeah. to death. So they were doing yeah, how about it? They're doing the, was... the animals book, which is just absolutely yeah. fantastic. It's it's amazing. That's how I came across her works to begin yep. with was was through his projects and. I I just fell in love with this crazy loose style that she yeah, has. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Those and I think they have they have the pig's book and then they have the uh I think. What's that? Is it chickens? Chick- is one chickens and, and pigs, I think, are the pigs. two that are currently out uh or coming out. And of course Eric he does Dead Horse and Planet Gigantic as well and, and people should pre order Planet Gigantic. I know it's it's in previews right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. It's in previews right now, yes. so you need to order Planet Gigantic. And you should also um, if you if you are buying comics, you should buy the Indoubtables at the same time that you buy Planet Gigantic. Um Yes, of course you should. Shameless plug done. We're like this happy comic family. No. You should And Eric Eric is working on uh the Revenge comic series. Oh cool. So um, people who are fans of the show or maybe just like, you know, female characters with swords, I Oh, think. yeah, that's right, because she did uh, the Marvel graphic novel. Yeah. Yes. I, mm-hmm. liked, uh, I thought you said Eric, so I got really confused yeah. that he hadn't told me about his revenge gig. Oh, no, no, Erica. Well, yeah. you should do a podcast where next time we talk, like a few months from now, maybe when Unit 44 comes out, 
because mm-hmm. I've never heard you interview two people at the same time, and I thought that was a really cool dynamic. And you, so you should have an interview where you and I talk, and then Eric is in the background, and Eric just makes really sassy comments as we're talking. He would be good at I that. Know, I think that would be a ton of fun. We should see if we could link that up. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I love seeing him anytime. Um, he's come over to Comic Fusion. Um, but Joy, see, we're like New Jersey is a hub of comic goodness. Yeah, well, you guys have. You should move up yeah. there. That's what you should do. <laughs> you a... tell your wife, I'm sorry, but we're moving. Yeah, so uh, may have, may have, we're going to Jersey. Pack your bags. That's right. Sorry. All the comic people are there. Yeah, well, we're, we're big fans of New York, so maybe that wouldn't be the end of the world. All right. That's good. Um, yeah, so those are all good people to follow on Twitter and uh, keep up with their independent projects. Um, uh, where am I going? Oh, in a couple of weeks, I will be at Boston Comic Con, and then I will be at New York Comic Con. Very cool. When's, when's Boston uh, Comic Con? Boston Comic Con is... Uh, August 8th. Oops. Well, I think it's it's like the 9th and 10th, whatever the weekend dates Coming are. Coming right up. Yeah. Get your tickets now, right. people. Yeah, absolutely. Please, because I've never been to that show, so I'm excited. I'm sacrificing my Baltimore trip to go to there. Wow. I've, and see, I've heard Baltimore's pretty pretty good. Baltimore's a really good show. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite things, so I'm missing Baltimore. That's definitely one of the shows that I want to I wanna try to get to in the next couple of years here. Yeah, it's a good city. Um, like the the show is held in a convention center that's convenient, um, so everything's right at the harbor. Depending on the hotel situation, um, you could end up at a hotel that's kind of far and annoying. Yeah. But for the most part, I've always been able to be fairly close to the convention center in Baltimore. Boston is not that way at all because it is ludicrous. <laughs> First of all, there's one hotel near the convention center. Oh, jeez. The rest, all of the hotels are in this downtown city area, in the downtown. It's like, the convention is like off to the side at the seaport. And I couldn't get a room there. So I was looking around. I'm like, okay, well, everybody else will probably be downtown anyway. Those prices were outrageous. Yeah. So I'm like 20 minutes out of downtown. Jeez. And I'm like, I still was cringing at this price. I'm like, what the hell? It's as bad as New York. Yeah. Like, New York, I'm going to be fairly close to the Javits um, just because I don't want to have to walk far in New York. Right. And I don't do subways unless I'm with somebody who knows what they're exactly. doing. Because I can get lost anywhere. Yeah. This is Some people don't know this trivia, useless trivia about me, is I have been lost coming home from my day job oh my because gosh. I've like, missed a turn, like not paying attention. Last time I, I was in New York, I had a horrible experience where I was there with my wife and my best friend. and It was for, it was for New York Comic Con last year, actually, now that I think about it. And, and I was taking my sweet time getting on the subway, and that thing left without me. <laughs> left with all my friends and family, but left me there. There you go. Was, yep. That was a poop your pants Typical type of experience story. right there. Yeah, I don't. Yes, I don't really do much mass transit at all in New, in New York. It's just I'm too afraid of being yeah in the wrong place. <laughs> so, um, but the hotel there is a ridiculous fortune. Well, it's just absurd. That's why some of these smaller cons that are I'm I'm curious to see how they kind of. I mean, obviously they're not the huge ones, but I kind of like that little bit more personal interaction, a little bit. Mm-hmm. smaller of a show especially when you're when you're kind of where I am I think that's that's appropriate and I think that's a good starting point it is because you can really ask somebody um questions figure out what they like yeah if somebody you know not into heist stories then move you it along can move it along 
you can, you know, talk about your other yeah. books and and that's kind of awesome. And you're usually um in a better environment where you can also talk to your table neighbors. Yes. So you get to know them and if you don't already, a lot of people try to arrange at small shows, they try to arrange like to be around their friends anyway. Yeah. Um which is great because then you can do things like, you know, sell each other's books. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's one of the benefits is for both of these upcoming events I have. I, I have friends that invited me to be a part of them, so I'll be, be in some good company. That's awesome. Well, good. I'm, I'm excited that, that The Undattables is out there for the world. I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about it. I think it's still, it's still very, very fresh, and it's not even on Comixology yet. It will be there uh, – at least while we're talking, it'll be there July 30th, so I'll be really curious because I know that as far as indie books go, that's people's kind of preferred method of in- ingesting mm-hmm. them, so I'm really hoping people will check it out. I'd love to hear what they think. Um, I think they'll have a blast with it. Okay. All right, Wes, um, what, what's your Twitter and website or anything so that people can follow oh, it's you? It's lame. It's, it's all Wes Loker, so if you, I know, you isn't that awful? Wes Loker, and that's L-O-C-H-E-R, yeah, you can find me on all those crazy websites and, and and Twitters and face spaces and all the good stuff. Fantastic. You can follow me at Elizabeth Amber because I have to make it complicated and use different names. <laughs> um, so I choose it just to piss people off. Um, and AmberOnMath.com is the website. And um, that's, I'm mostly on Twitter. So that's really the preferred way to find me. Who's, who's your next guest? Who's coming up after? Who can follow this show? Who can follow? Uh, you know, I'm. Tr- I think I have questions prepared for Michael Lark. It's just a matter of scheduling, and hopefully, uh, either sh- like sh- I've been trying to get Jamal Eigel, who's like one of my friends, but we have like scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Like at the time that he's done with like, uh, you know, like his actual work for the day, and then running around doing his like <laughs> he's doing some. Uh, one of the martial arts or something, I think. His wife is, like, big into um, martial arts, and now their daughter is. So they're constantly, like, running around and having to do things that happens when you have a kid. So, you know, he'll want to talk at, like, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm like, I am passed out. (laughs) I mean, I might be in bed with my phone tweeting, but, like, that's literally the most interaction you're going to get off of me. Have you ever done an interview where you fell asleep while you were talking to somebody? (laughs) I I don't think so. That would be hilarious. It's just, like, six hours of silence at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so so Jamal and I have been trying to connect. So if I can't get a hold of him, I will, um, Sean Pryor and I are going to try to connect in August. You have all kinds of awesome people lined up. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. It's all a matter of, you know, who can do the Skyping thing when I'm conscious. Yes. Well, I appreciate you having me out on a Saturday night. So. <laughs> You've been a wonderful day, Wes. It's a good time. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, you be good, and make sure that you check out Undattables at the end of July. Bye.